You're listening to Auto D coming at you live. Which way, what, when, how? Mr. Idol D, flip the track right now. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in on this beautiful Monday evening here in Scottsdale, Arizona. I am your host, Otto Daniolo, broadcasting from the Star Worldwide Network Studios high above Camelback Road. Tonight, my guest is cultural anthropologist, ego wrangler, and benevolent challenger, uh, Jen Kay, which is going to be kind of interesting to learn about all that. Uh, Jen will be with us right after A Change is Gonna Come from uh, the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. There's an old friend that I once heard say Something that touched my heart And it began this way Just like the river I've been running ever since He said it's been a long time coming But I know my change is gonna come
listening to R.O.D. coming at you live. And that was A Change Is Gonna Come by Aretha Franklin here on the Auto D Show, which is brought to you by TheRecordingArtist.com. If you happen to record your own music at home, sometimes you could use a little help. The Recording Artist offers a fix-it-in-the-mix menu of services to help you get a better finished product out of your home recording setup. So check them out, and while you're there, uh, pick up one of the cool T-shirts. That's TheRecordingArtist.com. And now, without further ado, it is my pleasure to welcome my guest this evening, Ms. Jen Kay, to the program. Hi, Jen. How are you doing? Hey, Otto. Thanks for having me. I'm awesome. Thank you for coming. I would have expected you to say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good to have you here. Thanks for taking the time to come in. It's always fun for me to sit before the show and, and chat. We've been talking for a half hour, <laughs> uh, waiting for the studio to open up and run in and get ready. And uh, it's like I always, I'm always stopping people from talking. No, don't talk about that. I want to hear about that later. And it's going to be fun when we get to talk about uh, your growing up because I'm going to share some things with you that we are kind of common. In fact, in that song, I was born by a river. She sings, right? Yes. I was born by a river. <laughs> Were you born by a river? I was not born okay, by a river. Finally, something yeah, we don't have in common. <laughs> okay. But, um, but before we go back all the way back to the beginning, let's talk a little bit about uh, what you do and what some of these words I've been describing you on Facebook uh, with some of the posts some of the words from your website and and stuff like a uh, ego wrangler which I thought oh the music industry should have a whole batch of them lined up someplace (laughs) because man could we use ego wranglers and then uh, some and some other uh, topics that are also very colorful you know so benevolent challenger so how does that really fit into what you do sure no thanks for asking and I'm actually glad that you used the the more colorful um descriptions because to say I'm a speaker coach and consultant I mean really who who cares you know the, the question of so what do you do oh, I speak. and yeah <laughs> and I've found um so that's one of the things that I get uh oh I get totally up on my my bandstand about because so often when you go to a networking thing or you're sitting talking to somebody say so what do you do and the reality is it's an incomplete question it's like so what do I do in my off time what do I do for work what do I do for vacation? You know, and and it right. So that's my word geek. I, you did not include that. And I it, did in the first post. I didn't. You, in you did, today, and that's that's uh, that's actually probably the fairest form. And it truly is my mother's uh, my mother's fault because we had one rule. Well, we had two rules growing up. But just one, two. Rules. I, we did have two primary rules growing up, and one of them was no whining. Mm-hmm. And she didn't just. It wasn't just no whining. I mean, she taught you, encouraged you how to use your words. She firmly believed that children didn't know what they they were very simple in that we either needed food uh water sleep or hug Mm -hmm. right so if we if if we didn't know she would help us find our words so when people say what do you do Mm. it's it's far more interesting i usually respond well when i'm not busy being a superhero or a secret agent right and you know so you get to have a little different conversation and Mm -hmm. often i'll say well let me ask you this what's what's you know your biggest challenge in your industry and they'll you know tell me and often it has something to do with the communication challenge and i will say well i help people just like you find the right words at the right time the right situation to get what everybody needs sooner faster and more efficiently and they're like oh how do you do that and i say well i do that through coaching mm-hmm. consulting facilitation mm-hmm. so does the word geek bleed beyond that in terms of uh, are you a writer do you do you create uh i create 
With I words. have with three with, yes with words. I have a lot of self judgment on myself right now with mm-hmm. writing, and I just sort of need to get over that. Yeah. You um, mean you're very self critical? I have no idea what you're talking about. Absolutely, of course. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I do create. Uh, I, I really and I really I like using video as uh, as a medium. I, I find that I'm able to. I don't overthink as much on video, and so uh, you know, lightly scripting something or just getting a chance to really express and create through that vehicle uh, is, is, helps me get out of my head and create faster. That's, that's an interesting observation. I wonder why. why do, you, do, you, do you have any idea why that is? Because I know that for me, uh, speaking uh, or creating off the top of my head, whether it's uh, typing or whether mm-hmm. it's just you know, audio, you put me on a camera to do an interview, even when I know what I'm going to say, and I'll stop the recording and start the recording 50 times really yeah it's almost like i'll screw up what i'm trying to say more often on video than i will when i'm not on video well it's, so it's a weird for me it's kind of yeah and that's probably actually i don't think that's unusual because it's it's that's one of the things i do is, is otter it, is a word miss word geek otter <laughs> i said otter oh otter is yeah. it you know, O-D-D. weirder is weirder it, yes it more auto it's otter that's what i thought otter o-t-t like <laughs> and then, of course, that led me down a whole different path right. of, like, cute otters swimming in the water and, you know, all of that, which, and I digress. Um, <laughs> where were we? What was the question? <laughs> Gosh, let me play back the tape. It was the thing about the video and audio. Oh, you right, said right, right. you felt that was maybe a more common experience. It, well, it is. And uh, be, when it comes to public speaking, you know, people say there's, you know, you know one of the second biggest fears is, you know, people are afraid of public speaking. I actually don't think people are afraid of speaking. I think people have a fear of being seen. And when you think about a camera, we're all taught, you know, when you get out the camera, what do you do? You pose for the camera. And so when a video camera comes on you, there's still sort of that mindset. And the camera doesn't lie. So anything that's actually going on in the back of your head is what sort of comes across on your face. And somewhere along the way, I've been able to short that where I'm able to remove the judgment and just be mm-hmm. really present. And I think what happens during writing is I have, I have deep reverence for words and, and language. And so when I see it in writing, I really I break it down and I think about, okay, is that really what I'm trying to convey? Like I'll take more time in writing than I will to perhaps just shoot a quick video share it have that brief connection and and I don't know maybe it's a different context for creating but I have and uh, (laughs) for those of you who know me yes I just anded myself uh, and I have deep reverence for uh, for for the for words and so putting it in writing um, I think is more slightly more permanent maybe I don't Mm -hmm. I don't know I'm theorizing interesting no it's great Um, you and I have a common friend Tara (laughs) we love Tara Tara's a sweetheart hi Tara and uh, in fact, she introduced me to you. And she is, uh, she has, sp- and I spoke of, of our interest in stand up, okay? Um, and you directed me to an Ignite speech you'd given, and, uh, which was Ignite Music, I think, which is a, a local a division yes. of the Ignite top, Topics or Talks. And um, it, I, so I watched it because, yeah, well, okay, I want to see this, what this is. And it was like a little bit of a stand-up routine. It was quite <laughs> comical and, I, and and written, for that matter. You have to prepare this speech, memorize five yes. minutes speech, right? To, to slides, so it's all timed and you're not watching the slides. You yes. have to have the whole thing memorized. So that's, a, that's quite a bit of writing. And it was very colorful. It was very entertaining uh, or artistic in the sense of you actually, in a sense, invented a topic to then talk about something that mattered to you. 
Um, so I thought, wow, is a, that's a real word geek. That's a real writing exercise. Thank you. It, it was. And as, uh, as my friends, especially uh, Rebel, will tell you, I mean, I agonized, I think, over every word. And some of the guidance I got was, so this, you had, was it 20 slides that auto advance every 15 seconds? You've only right. got, you, there's no choice. And, and so the guidance was basically consider two, maybe three sentences per slide. And you, I mean, the reason that happened is I had a very limited amount of time to work with it. So I was on deadlines to just get it out. And even once I sent it, I was like, oh, I would have done this and I would have said that. And I would have. But did the deadlines help you, though, really? It, it did. They helped me oh, a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It removes options. It did. And half the fun of that, though, for me, which I didn't know at the time when I submitted for the talk, which frankly was where a lot of those colorful words from my bio okay. actually came about as that was for my submission. And I thought, this is who am I really like? What do I do and who cares and what would that sound like? And so uh, so what was really neat about the Ignite music piece is it gave me a chance to really think about music and in, in the storyline, and it, it actually gave me a chance to honor um, different dif- my family, my family, my friends, people who have been super meaningful uh, to me in my life. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one of the reasons it was super fun. And if people aren't familiar with uh, what we're talking about, I, I'll tell you the, the link, which is kind of type fast, but uh, I'll, I'll maybe I'll I'll share it too if you don't mind. Not I'll post all. it on our on our yeah, website. You're welcome to. But it's https colon slash slash y-o-u-t-u youtube but it's y-o-t-u dot b-e slash i-r actually one r two p-n-m-i-u-h-5-e now you can play this show (laughs) back later (laughs) repeatedly but uh i think you should check it out i think it's pretty cool and now but tell me just give me an overview of what the of of what the talk was about so so the talk was i've been diagnosed it was really fun and uh so I've, I've been diagnosed with RSASD, and RSASD stands for Random Semantic Associative Song Disorder. And I, I didn't actually invent it. My sister's former sweetheart of many, many years actually was, was watching my sister and I over a weekend uh, that we were together and said, man, you guys have a serious case of RSASD. Well, excuse me? He said, Random Semantic Associative Song Disorder. We're like, yes, we absolutely have that. And, and so it happens all the time. It actually happened, believe it, I was talking with, with Becky Pat today. And uh, she said, oh, my God. And immediately I started. About 12 years ago, <laughs> I was diagnosed with RSASD. Now, for those of you thinking RSAS, what? That stands for Random Semantic Associative Song Disorder. I mean, you write it stand up RSASD is expressed (laughs) in that moment you randomly associating song lyrics to any number of situations. (laughs) Symptoms may be triggered by an ordinary conversation, a spare moment, or words on a sign. Like when a friend starts a sentence, so I finish a needle-pulling thread. I think a lot of people it's a do spontaneous this. kind of experience do. where I break in a song before I realize lyrics have escaped my mouth. It happens every day. Walking along the street, ask me what I want for lunch. Food, glorious food. I did that in Trader Joe's. Or about the weather in Arizona <laughs> in August. Well, I think it's pretty neat. And what's interesting is you found a, it's, this is kind of what we, we coach songwriters to do. And that is. Find a common experience, mm. but but generate the, your unique perspective. And so, 
putting giving it a name it's an experience we all have where we all uh, you'll hear people do that all the time in fact people will do it with the movies they'll do it with the princess bride you hear them quote lines from a movie when it's are you talking about the r-o-u-s-s's exactly (laughs) that would be random semantic associative movie line disorder yes rodents of unusual so i think it's we all have that experience i think and know people with it yeah, and so Hello. it's funny that my you name is Anika Montoya. Yes, you gave it a name, and you and you did a whole a whole bit on it. I thought that was pretty interesting for a word geek. That's that's a really I think you, it, cool investment. It's true. It was one of the funnest and most challenging things I'd ever done because uh, I'd actually found it most of the time. I, I think about how I can serve an audience with mm-hmm. a topic around right. you know communication and make a difference, and this was very selfish. And who are your audiences when you talk? Mm. That's a great question. So it varies. Uh, I speak with Fortune. Are you going to continue to grade my questions when I offer them? Because I'm not going to be excited when you go, that question was awful. Uh, No grading. No grading. It kind of depends on the audience. Let's see. Uh, So so when I facilitate, uh, you know, something like a a training or a workshop at Fortune 100, 500 companies um, across all industries, healthcare, oil and gas, uh, you know, attorney firms, uh, consulting consulting practices, uh, I have I do one-on-one coaching, and they're leaders through through all different walks of life: introverts, extroverts, entrepreneurs, uh, you know, corporate executives, and and so that all just my audiences vary. Mm-hmm. How um, often are you out speaking? I'm, I mean, usually, I'm usually I'm usually on the road a few times during the month. Okay. Yeah. Pretty busy. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in in uh, the ego wrangler <laughs> because I'm thinking that. Um, that's a, I'm thinking it's not funny. It's very funny to me. But I think that in reality, it's a very gentle way to do something that people don't want to admit needs to be done when you're talking to your audience. So how did you come about that phrase? And how much is dealing with their egos part of your com- communication? <laughs> uh, well, in full transparency, the first and the first is is honing my own ego. Right. So as a speak anytime you and I think you would know this, right? So when you're in front of this an audience right? right when you're on stage there's a tendency right to to think you've got to perform and so anytime before I speak to any audience no matter how large or small I have a, a mantra that I do which is you know help me be free of all fear ego or judgment either mine or that of others so it actually starts with getting out of my own ego um, and then when it shifts to 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 them so often we we personalize things and ego has varying degrees from i'm personalizing this to uh, i'm fully arrogant people should just you know do what i say and they're part of the problem of what they've brought me in to create a solution for so it's un- unraveling things and yes it's a very I, I wrangle in a very loving kind and yet direct way and a benevolent challenger that's a, that's an interesting uh, description. Yeah, I had I, I had uh, uh, someone tell me one time they're like, I really hate that term. You should take that out. I'm like, absolutely not. It is the it is the most loving, kindest way. I, I think someone said one time, Jen Jen kind of kicks you in the butt in the most loving and kindest way because I actually With care. Slippers. With slippers. Yeah. <laughs> maybe sometimes sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> Uh, it's it's truly because I care, and that that's the biggest thing. Is I will I will challenge um, uh, preconceived notions, challenge your biases, challenge your beliefs, uh, challenge your judgments, and I'll do it in a way not just to to challenge you and you know put you on the spot, and make you uncomfortable. I will do it because I'm trying to help bring out the very best in that in that person, like the the 
the person who they don't even know they are or can be and they don't see that they're getting mm-hmm. in their own way right if that makes sense it does and most of you would i think you would classify a lot of what you do as dealing with communication absolutely that's something we that's, got more from our conversation previously yeah and that i love how you describe that conversation isn't the same as speaking a lot of times you can be speaking and you're really not communicating oh yeah anything. language and communication are not the same thing yeah and and uh language has been big in your life in a lot of ways and your your experiences in life have uh really given you an opportunity to experience language before you became kind of cognitive of this use in a sense of yeah. dealing with communication so let's i want to go back and talk about a lot of that but uh in a hop skip and a jump let's start with the cruise ships because <laughs> okay. i think that was fascinating <laughs> and your new relationship to an island but um yeah you worked for the cruise lines i did I, well i was an independent contractor okay. on cruise ships. out of yes. miami yes for a number of years yes and your role was a uh, port and shopping guide port and shopping guide oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah like that i heard it too <laughs> so um Tell me, what, what does that entail? So uh, my, my job was to get up on stage every week and be on TV and uh, help the passengers identify where the best place is in each. On TV, like on TV on the boat? On TV on, on the ship. Yes, okay, not cool. a boat. It's a ship. Well, you uh, know. I'm just. Us music guys. <laughs> we use a different language. That's, uh, yes, I know. That is true. Uh, so, so it was uh, broadcast around the ship and it was letting the passengers know where in each port of call were great places to go shopping and get great discounts and and so I also had to know things like you know restaurants and support the the cruise lines and you know their different shore excursions and if they were sold out help the passengers you know navigate what they could do instead Mm -hmm. so you you really became very aware of all kinds of ports in terms of what was available where and probably your own, you probably favorite restaurants in every major port in the world at this point, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, I still have yeah. a lot of ports to visit. Okay. And then uh, you dealt with people, again, with all kinds of languages as well. Yes. And from all over the world. But uh, you mentioned, uh, or we spoke of St. Croix. So yes. tell me a little bit about your experiences. Uh, you recently were on vacation. I, I was. Uh, St. Croix is a... St. Croix is home. It's a beautiful, very special place in the U.S. Virgin Islands. It is a U.S. territory. You do not need a passport. And most people are familiar with, you know, St. Thomas because that's where a lot of the the cruise ships go or St. John. Um, St. Croix is um, truly, through my eyes, uh, the heart of the Caribbean. It's it's where you have culture, um, music. The people are so authentic and heart-centered. You've never met a stranger um the food it's it's there there's a homecoming where you can be at a bar or at a restaurant and there's no you, you just you don't know who you're sitting next to and in truth it doesn't matter and uh, so i had the opportunity about six years ago to be introduced to saint croix and in fact i fell in love with an island i fell in love with the community um it is it is a place that i am proud um to to go home to uh, and I guess in full transparency, I, I, I live in Scottsdale, and uh, St. Croix is very much home and, and filled with magical opportunities and um, experiences and, and the most wonderful people I've ever known and some of the most beautiful scenery, which I can show you photos when we're done. It's well worth it. <laughs> cool. it it's, the la- it's the land of rainbows. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And so um, in uh, getting to the language as part of, of your experience as well, um, you studied language in school, but your family traveled, I believe, a lot, so you were... Is that accurate? I, no, I, I not so much. Read through so much stuff, <laughs> but okay. Well, let me go back. You, what do you, you want to know? Well, you studied you studied Japanese with, uh, with or excuse me, majored in Japanese with a minor in Russian. <clears throat> That's those are interesting languages to choose. 
And uh, before that, you'd already studied French and Spanish for years abroad, actually, while living. And then you lived in Japan, <laughs> uh, which was after the cruise ship work in Miami. So no, actually, Japan was before the cruise ships. So when? So do you speak a little <laughs> Japanese? <laughs> okay. And Russian. <laughs> and French. And Spanish. That's awesome. I speak a little Russian, but it's very bad. I was in Moscow for a week and learned yeah. a little bit. Oh, so it was a yeah, mm -hmm. yo creo que la vida es más interesante en más lenguas y más culturas. Okay, well, I don't know if y'all are listening <laughs> <laughs> anymore, but uh, that's, that's all interesting. So, But if you think about it, so music, though, is a universal language. Is right? it Nietzsche? <laughs> yes, it is. Right? It is it, a universal it, language. I mean, it doesn't matter what, what gender, what generation, what culture what language like none of that matters if if you know you like country music and you know someone in indonesia likes country music like you ha it's a universal language well i think there's even something bigger that played into all this language stuff for you oh what and that's being one of 10 kids no, i wasn't one of 10 kids what my what, mom what, was what? one of 10 your kids. your mom was one of 10 kids <laughs> There was a lot of crazy growing up, but I was not one of okay. ten kids. All right. How many kids? How many kids in your family? Two. Just two. Okay, so you just had one brother, sister. Although in Indonesia, they they, they have the think, same words. Do so you people think I'm would intentionally getting all no, this wrong No, people would tonight? ask us, "Are you brothers?" And my sister and I said, "Yes, we are brothers." Oh, interesting. Yeah. So now let's let's just instead of me telling you your life and getting it all wrong, <laughs> tell me where were you born? Kansas City. Okay. There's, there's an answer that's right. There you go. Uh, how long did you live in Kansas City? Uh, most of my life growing up, till I was, I don't know, 17, 18. And uh, what were your folks doing? Uh, Mom worked for an ad agency, and my father was a financial advisor. I grew up with, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, again, you know, I'm, I'm, I have all these notes, and I'm just, <laughs> they're a mess today. Been very busy, and I apologize. I'm scanning through them all. But um, there is, uh, what did your dad do? There was something about, I wanted to talk to you about your father here. I'm just looking. Dun, 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 dun. But there was, how about languages? They had different backgrounds, your mom and dad, right? Uh, yeah, they did. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tell people. Uh, so my mom was one of 10 kids from New York, and my dad was one of two from See, she's Milwaukee. The one, she's the one who got all the communication skills. That's why she was that way. With I, I often say that's how I survived. That's how, well, that's how I survived growing up in the, in the Midwest because New Yorkers are very, very forthright. You know, you, you know, I haven't seen your face. Get your butt home. I'll buy the ticket. Book it in the next, you know, three weeks. Dad's side of the mom. family. That's my mom's side of the family. My mom and, you know, my dad uh, and my dad's side of the family. Cause my grandmother especially would say, you know, honey, we haven't seen you in so long. It sure would be nice to have you home sometime and mm -hmm. you're like uh, okay you know whatever mm -hmm. uh so you know still kind of one like my grandfather used to tell me uh, when my grandmother would say honey um put a coat on it's cold outside i'm said but i'm not cold my grandfather had to translate for me he goes no no honey what your grandmother's saying is that she's cold so she wants you to put a coat on like how would i know that without a translator so yeah, so, so so growing up, I, I I start you know you had to navigate these different languages. Mm -hmm. I got straightforward New York talking, and then I got okay, need a translator for what they're trying to say. So now you have I guess nine aunts and uncles, kind of, mm -hmm. and and there were twins in there with the, with the family as well. <laughs> yes, they were, and they were the youngest ones. Did you mention? Yes, uh, uh, Marlene and Sandy. See, this is it's 
this was where one of the parallels was I was referring to before, but it's not my aunts and uncles. I was one of seven. You asked me. How oh, many okay. Kids from you, the would you would not answer my question? I know. It's like, oh, you, it's gonna be funny. Not, not that funny. <laughs> but the funniest part of it is this: my mom and dad had uh, had five kids from the age of nine down. They had a nine-year-old, eight-year-old, seven-year-old, six-year-old, wow. four-year-old, or three-year-old, and they decided to have one more, and they had twins. So then they had newborns, seven kids from nine down. Oh, newborns. my gosh. God bless your parents. Yeah, well, and, and, you know, my dad went to work and ran his own business, and mom had to deal with that. <laughs> God bless my mom. I don't know how she survived, you know, uh, that I really process. don't know. How, my grandma Selma was a very small woman. I have no idea how she did it, really. And, you know, and when I was young, we had, there were families that size, maybe being in a community. I actually went two years to, or three years to a Catholic high school. So it was not uncommon for my family to not be the biggest family at all. There's 12 kids and 13 kids, you know. And today, a family of more than two kids is like, really, more than two kids? <laughs> it's a, quite, quite different. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit back onto music. Um, you, I've another, I have another song I wanted to play. By the way, you, your music choices the stuff that you listen to is very eclectic and all really really great stuff I mean, so you must spend some time listening to music you I must do. really enjoy it I do there's there's always music uh, I was e- even thinking after I'd sent you that that note most people tell me two or three bands you sent me 25 <laughs> names of artists you love today you know oh, I can't, like, I'm like I have to narrow I told you it was going to be hard it's <laughs> you know it's it's very diverse and different you know I, there's Pandora serves one purpose spot but there's always music playing there's always I've always got music playing well I want to talk about that I'm going to play a song right. so we can give you a break here and get a drink of water and then when we come back I want to talk about uh, how music relates to what you do and and as you just pointed out in your life how you always have music playing I'd like to hear a little bit about that you got it. so I'm going to play a song by a singer I really enjoy but I didn't have any of his records I just knew him as a feature artist on another record that I have, and I really liked his voice a lot until you mentioned him, and I thought, yeah, why haven't I ever checked this guy out? Because I, I really like his voice. So uh, I bought this tune today, a little bit of Feel Good. Yes! You know who I'm talking about? Yes! <laughs> it's uh, Jamie Liddell, if I pronounce <gasps> his name correct, right? Awesome. Great, uh, a great artist. I love this song. A lot of great stuff. I love this song. So check this out, and we'll be right back with Jen Kay on The Auto D Show. Keys, guys, in the parts of me 
And that was Jamie Liddell with a little bit of feel good here on the Auto D Show, where my guest this evening is Jen Kay. And uh, before we jump back into a conversation with Jen, I just want to uh, give everybody a little bit of update on uh, my movie career or my movie life, I guess you could say. Uh, My first film as writer and director was a short, as many of you know, released last November called The Sweetheart Deal. Well, it has been accepted into the 5th Annual Jerome Indie Film and Music Festival in September, so I'm kind of excited about that. My first movie got into its first festival. Uh, Not only that, we are now halfway, nearly halfway through, uh, finished shooting for the full-length feature version of the movie, which is coming together very nicely. So you can actually pick up a copy of the short on DVD at FannaFilms, F-A-N-N-A Films.com, and uh, you can follow me on Facebook to catch up on all the details as we wrap up production on the feature. So uh, back to Jen. And Jen, as a young child, uh, I think this might be part of why you love music so much and why it's so important to you. It seems that a lot of your mom's uh, brothers and sisters, a lot of your aunts and uncles were uh, musically inclined or, or wrapped up into oh, music. They, they, were, they were singers. They played music. They listened to music. Yeah, they absolutely were influential in was, every way. You had an uncle who was a DJ who I think uh, was the, let's see, what was his gig? Well, he actually he was a DJ at the radio station. Oh, yeah. okay. And, and oh, and that's right. And you got to go hang out? Well, yeah. So I was, at five years old, I was the voice of Fred Engel Volkswagen in Kansas City. And, you know, you don't think much about it as a kid. So I just, I would go to the studio with him and, you know, ride on the back of his motorcycle, which, you know, in those days, I mean, you could do that. It wasn't yeah. such a big deal, right? amazing? I know. <laughs> five years old on the back of a motorcycle, reading copy at a station so yeah. you don't have to pay anybody. Exactly. We, we, you know, you get into the studio and, and, you know, put on the headset. And it was so much fun, like, being around that and the boards and what everybody was playing. And it was just it was such a great environment. So you got to hear all the music, too, and hang out during the day. I did. Well, that might have been a big part of it, too. Yeah. Were there any uh, musicians in that group? Any of your aunts and uncles? Oh, my gosh. Uh, they, they're going to have to call in for that. Uh, um, <laughs> singers, for sh- for sure. Well, and you, yeah, you know, you mentioned that you're a big time dancer. Yes, I cannot play an instrument to save my life, except perhaps the conga, little okay. percussion, well, I've and always, a clave. I've always <laughs> thought that a lot of musicians seem like they can't dance at all, and a lot of uh, dancers can't play. And I, it made me think that I think some of us are designed where music either comes in or goes out, yeah. kind of a way. <laughs> oh, I like know? that. Yeah, it's like dancers get impacted by it; and they can't sit still. Yeah, but they can't generate it. They just can respond to it, you know? Well, I can sort of generate in my head, but that's, it's an internal gig. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah, that's why I beat on counters. Maybe that's why I go with the percussion, because mm-hmm. I can do that anywhere. Because it's, it's all like I got. I don't know. Rhythm. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, what about today in work? How, does, how do you use music? How does music relate to what you do? Oh, my gosh. Uh, so in, in 
even if, when I go into a corporation to do you know standard you know training or, or workshop, um, I custom make playlists uh, for all of my clients. Uh, whether I'm, I'm doing that, or um, you know we're doing a two-hour workshop, or uh, when I'm emceeing events, mm-hmm. uh, people who know me when they invite me to do that, uh, it's just become now a standard of give me the playlist. Like there, there is no other option because I'm so intentional about it and right. really think about what what the topic is that we're covering and who the audience is and and what are the songs. Like one of the funnest playlists that I created is emceeing for uh, Phoenix Startup Week. And it was so much, we have this amazing entrepreneurial community, um, Yes Phoenix, and and so I put it out on Facebook for you know what are your favorite songs and contributions, and I got this amazing just huge playlist, and then I edited it down for the event, uh, knowing that then that we'd include the public and what have you. So, so music is one of those things that I find brings people together, and especially when you're going into let's say a corporate environment. Nobody wants to come into another training. They're thinking, oh my god, this is gonna be boring. I have to do this for my you know. KPIs I've got to check this off my list and you know they're going to be boring and I'm just going to you know, I'm going to get through the day and 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 music is so uplifting and, and like we were saying earlier universal of where it just it naturally relaxes the brain and creates a common ground for connection and so people are always surprised when they come in especially when when I'm my oil and gas client who I just I love is primarily men and and so the music is is cute and keyed to a lot of you know guitar and they a lot of them are out in the field and they come in and the last thing they want to do is be in a corporate building inside let alone for six flipping hours and and the moment they walk in they're like hey you know you see them mm-hmm. they, their their head starts going and then they start thinking and and and, and then and then it creates this thing like hey do you know this artist and mm-hmm. you know are you going to be playing this and then it's mm-hmm. like dj jen, now i'm no longer a corporate <laughs> trainer dj jen is in the house and and so from that point, we, we create a different type of learning environment that's far more experiential and lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Well, and you mentioned uh, you've, music's obviously having been a big part of your life. You've used music in your own recovery from uh, an accident in particular, a head-on collision you yeah. were involved in. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, it was actually uh, right out here at Indian School in Goldwater. and How uh, many years ago? Oh, gosh, like 12 or 13 okay. years now. Uh, on one hand, it seems so long ago. On the other hand, it seems just like just yesterday. And uh, so he came. He came through the light, and that's a whole story. And uh, bottom line is, I, I shattered my right tibia. Uh, I've got a metal plate in my right leg. Multiple breaks and sprains to my left foot and ankle. Uh, cracked my C4 neck vertebrae and a bunch of ribs in the process. So I was in a wheelchair for ten weeks wow. uh, and had to learn how to walk again. And I, I had this one doc who had been a physical therapist uh, as, as well as a surgeon. And then I had this uh, foot doctor who's, who's frankly an excellent, excellent foot doctor. He was just really young and, and slightly arrogant, I'm going to say. The I, younger I, ones are. I, I'm well, just saying. And, and just so, you know, so there was this whole process, you know, in the hospital of, of recovery. And that's part of one of my keynotes. And mm-hmm. I developed a whole program from it, for goodness sake, because, oh, goodness. you know, it's... Well, you know, life head on. Six steps to getting over yourself and on with your life. Back to the ego piece, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we can we we learn from things. I think um, as as humans, we're so stubborn, and if everything was truly wonderful all the time, we'd never know the difference or appreciate what it is that we do have. So we have these challenging experiences, and so in that, I was. There were so many things where, even though I had a positive attitude, I mean, it would take you out. So I have Philadelphia collared. You know, I remember the mm-hmm. day I rolled into physical therapy in my wheelchair and. 
of course, I chose a physical therapy uh, facility where they rehabbed athletes. So from the very beginning, my mindset wasn't just on, oh, yeah, get through your six or 12 you know, therapy sessions from that insurance authorizes you for. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no. The, the, I remember the day the doctor came in and said, you need to understand you will never return to your previous level of activity. And you need to prepare yourself for the fact you'll never dance again. And I just looked at him. I said, thank you for sharing what you needed to for your reasons of liability. Now, let me explain something to you. That is not an option. So, if, I mean, it was just like, no, I mean, before the first surgeon, before mm-hmm. he, he my, my tibia was shattered. And he said, he had told me, I'm on morphine. I don't even know. He, he's, he's saying we need to get you in a surgery as soon as possible. All I could think about is, how is this going to affect my dancing? Oh, my God. And, and, and I tried, is, is there any other way? And he looked at me for a brief sec, like, was I really this crazy? And he goes, honey. <laughs> It, um, if we don't, you might lose the leg. I'm like, okay, we got to do the surgery. Got it. You know, check. Uh, <laughs> or not losing the leg. Not losing the leg. That is not an option. So, so not dancing wasn't an option. I just kind of put my head down and went. I remember there was a day in physical therapy. Uh, Warren had, I, he said, okay, I want you to step forward, step forward, step back, step back. Right, weight transfer. I want you to step to the side and then back to the center and step to the side and back to the center. And I had to step over this stick. So it was all about weight transfer to get my balance back just to be able to walk again. And, you know, frankly, it's rather boring. And so I was going, okay, forward, forward, back, back, side, step, side, step. Well, wait a minute. I know. One, Sounds like a dance two, right, red, Doesn't it? Already. And we haven't even put the rhythm to it. That's so right. in my head, all of a sudden, salsa music starts playing. I'm like, one, two, three. Five, six, seven, one, two, three, five. And I'm doing this. And he looks at me, he's like, Jen, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing my therapy, you know. And 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 every then again we have this amazing salsa community. Uh, you know, I, I would go out in my cast and I was intimidated. I, oh, I can't dance. And my friends were brilliant. I mean, just the music which lifts your spirit and speaks to your heart and and oh my gosh now you're making me think of there's the 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 one night so tito puente's uh, song ren can can are you familiar mm-hmm, with mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. okay dun, 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 right so that's always been a very special song to me and i remember i had, it was my first night actually dancing without the cast without anything i was actually terrified and i had called a friend of mine my friend juan carlos and i said i'm, I'm coming out but i need you to stay close to me right so i don't you know it's, don't Just fall don't case. whatever yeah. And, you know, I thought, okay, if I can do one song, I will be ecstatic, right? I'll be, I'll be happy. So I did one song, and I didn't fall over, and it wasn't in pain. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so great. And then I did two songs, and it was great. And so, like, so I did, like, three songs. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I, I mean, I was already on cloud nine. And so I was starting to walk. I was like, okay, let me, because, by the way, I forgot to mention, I had said to my physical therapist, you know, so do you think I can dance? He's like, Jen, I want you to take it easy. Let's just start <laughs> with a class. And, of course, I'm going out salsa dancing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it says a lot about my character. So I'm walking out the door because I'm thinking. It says a lot about your passion. Yeah, well, but it's, and it wasn't, so it was amazing. And I'm walking out, and just as I'm walking out, one of, one of the, the best salsa dancers in, in the city at the time uh, said, Jen, it's so great to see you. I haven't seen you in so long. You have to dance with me. And it was Ran Can Can, which is a very fast song. And I'm, before I could even go, no, I can't. I've been, reco- I just got out of a wheelchair. It was, it was go time. And I just like took a deep breath and I went and it was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I mean, like I, you had to peel me off the ceiling. So of course I went home and I went into rehab the next day and Warren said, how you doing, Jen? I said, well, you know that, that starting easy thing. And I told him what I did. That. He goes, so today we're just going to ice. I'm like, that's probably a good idea. So <laughs> yes, I get very passionate. It, it, it was it was key in my recovery. Music was key to recovering. 
for my clinician. And, and we've, you know, you've mentioned it as a universal language as well. But um, I want to talk a little bit about your exp, exp, experiential, excuse me, retreats mm. that you're actually putting together, which comes, I would imagine, is kind of inspired by this experience. Yeah, it, 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 it really was. I, so over the years, sort of with dancing and what have you, I used to have a, a wellness practice and before my head on collision. And it was one of those things where I said, show me how to help more people because I'd been in the process of creating uh, workshops and curriculum for people to connect, like let's say couples. And the thing is people don't want to necessarily have to work on themselves or their relationships except give them a chance to go to a dance class together and they're learning something. Like all of the stories about why they're arguing or, or why they're not able to communicate goes away because they're creating something together. So over the years I've been looking, I, I learn best by experience. Mm-hmm. And nobody needs another talking head. In this day and age, we can pull up the internet and find any piece of information we want about anything. You, d- you don't need another talking head about, you know, leadership and teamwork and collaboration. You, you know, it, talking about it in a conference room. Mm-hmm. And, and granted, I, I, I do my my programs have become far more interactive, less teachy. You know, so mm-hmm. not a talking head. And I recently had the experience, uh, the opportunity to to do. Um, some different experiential things, including uh, trapeze. And so I started learning and going, wait a minute, all of the stories about who we think we are and what we can do and what we can't do about what we're afraid of and about trust and all of those things comes together when we're actually doing something. So I'm, I'm currently in the process of working with some collaborators to create some experiential retreats that give people the opportunity to really grow and learn and put into to practice um, as somatically. It's a fancy word, physically, right? When you, when you get something physically, uh, you, you learn it on a whole different level. Like, I, I don't, people mm-hmm. who play, well, as a musician, mm-hmm. for goodness sake. I mean, well, you can talk about rhythm and, and, and I don't even necessarily, mm-hmm. right, of, of, or, or, you know, what happens when you're um, off key or when you have the you know wrong things and it's so you can either spend all the time going oh no you did this wrong this is if you play piano this is you press the wrong key and this is why you did this and this or you can just say okay that was good now do this next time right mm-hmm. and keep moving forward and, and once you get it in in that arena physically it starts to activate other areas of the brain so that it actually translates into practical life and professional skills except people aren't necessarily making that connection Mm-hmm. So uh, that that's a place that I'm going. I'm super excited about right now. I so, don't even have anything on the website yet. Oh wow! So that's like it, breaking no, it's, it's, news. It, this is this is breaking. You were actually this is the first time I'm announcing this publicly. I've been secretly wow. talking to people well, about cool. this in the background. When do you think uh, uh, these will start? When do you think this will product I, will kind of be refined and ready? Uh, I'm looking to beta uh, to to. Wow, we actually are going to get some real details. You, now. Yeah, I'm looking to beta the first one in October. And uh, wow. so I've got a lot of work to do in the next next few weeks to get it up, and then I'll be uh, looking for people to come and uh, basically, you know, d- try it, try it out. As you know, we look to create it and, and refine it and iterate it, and what that experience is like. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. Wow, well, that's exciting. I'm happy for you. Thank you. It's always fun to have something new and some new challenge to to do. I think it's going to be good. Yeah. Um, if people want to get a hold of you to to uh, find out more about you or or uh, hire you for that matter, as a ego wrangler. <laughs> Uh, what's the best way to reach you? Sure. You can go to jenk.com. Uh, uh, and that's spelled? J-E-N-N-K-A-Y-E dot com. Uh, or you can always find me on LinkedIn, Facebook. And, although I'm having a lot of fun on Instagram these days. 
Are you? Is that yeah. your is that your social media I, that's, thing? I'm 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 actually yeah. That's uh, for for so many reasons. I'm starting to really enjoy that. Now, as an introvert. Yes. And your what's your relationship to social media? Are you? Are you <laughs> Uh, I'm 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 finding peace with social media. I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. Finding peace with social um, media. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that's I, I've. You know, I am who I am, and I and I don't post everything on on social media, and I, like, you know, as as we go through things, I'm that again that introvert. I generally process things internally, much to the irritation of friends and family who've often said, "I feel like I don't know what's going on with you." And it's like that's right because I'm processing it. I'll <laughs> let you know once I'm already done. I don't so. So I, I do that, and then uh, I'm, I'm making my peace with social media. I'm finding a way to actually share, because I do think that's, that, that's important. Well, you know, I had a friend. Th- there are people who are really good at it in terms of using social media mm-hmm. to further what it is they want to further. Yeah. There's other people who are just good at social media because they get it. You yeah. Know? And I had a, a friend tell me one time, you need to share more personal stuff. And I'm yeah. thinking, whatever. And so... I'm doing these posts always just about business or just about some event that's happening, and so one day I thought, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna see what happens. So I I took a picture of my water heater, <laughs> and I posted, I, I did I posted a picture of my water heater on Facebook and said, hey, a friend of mine says I should show I should be more personal in my Facebook post. So here's a picture of my water heater. <laughs> I, to me, it was kind of like a flipping them off and doing it at the same time, which is my Italian you know yeah. personality what to this happened? situation. 400 <laughs> comments, you know, all these shares, people showing me pictures of, of their water heaters. Yeah. Another guy explaining he couldn't believe that I didn't have one that's not a, a tank, a tankless water heater. I'm like, I didn't know they had tankless water heaters. You learned more about yeah. water heaters than you even yeah. could imagine. So what do you think I followed it up with? Yeah. A picture of the inside of my dryer. <laughs> and that one did just as well. And I'm thinking, people have time for this. And so then I thought, okay, I guess the, the, the guys who learn social media know how to harness this bubbling activity and turn yeah. it into the business, turn it into the sure. income or turn that traffic into money somehow. And that's the goal of the, the business concept of managing social media. I don't get that. Well, it, it's interesting. You and I were, were chatting earlier about technology and these little you know, smartphones, yeah. phone things, whatever, that we've become so attached to. And the thing is the way that, the way that we communicate has changed and we used to have to work so much harder I mean I, I remember when I was living in Japan or you know even calling my aunt in in Japan uh, when I was still in the US and you know you had to think about okay time zones and long distance fees and it, you had to really work <laughs> to keep the relationship yeah. going and now with with social media we have actually a new way to relate and connect and so when we're intentional and conscious about it it actually creates the connection now I think it's kind of like email, right? One day email showed up. You buy a computer, email happens, it starts, and it never stops, right? Mm-hmm. Social media is kind of, and no one teaches you how to use email responsibly, you know, what to right. say, what to do, how to use it, when to use it. And then we get text messaging or instant messaging, you know, I am. And, and, and so we start to become very reactive in our communication and so on. And so a lot of that ends up translating in social media of, well, how do you, when I say how do you do social media right like how do you be intentional and conscious and conscientious about what you share and more importantly why you're sharing it you right. know are you are you looking for feedback are you looking to just feed your own insecurities so right. that other people care right. or are you really looking to share something because you know that you're not going to be able to you know call all of your family to tell each one individually and it saves you time and energy to 
you know, tag them. So well, it, you know, we're getting close to the end of our hour, and I feel like I want to spend an hour now talking about social uh, <laughs> social bullying and this whole this whole thing that's uh, happening on social media, cyberbullying, excuse me, and and all of the crazy things that that have come into our life from from that sure. experience. But since we are running out of time, how about this? Mm. Do you deal with the separation of church and state, so to speak, the separation of social media? from uh, your audience when you're dealing with their workplace and, and how they communicate? Is that a problem? Um, it, it's, defi- it's definitely an issue. Um, in, in, in not there, Some of it's social media, a lot more of it, especially with the, the companies that I deal with, mm-hmm. it, it's even much more around email, like really having a conscientiousness around e- email, instant messaging, what you're communicating, when you're communicating, how you're communicating uh, just based on the on, on the caliber. Now, social media comes up for them when they're getting stressed out because they're spending too much time on social media. Again, we right. sort of get overstimulated with communication. Um, and, I mean, I could talk about communication all Do you remember long. your first instant messenger? It was the fax machine. <laughs> I remember getting a letter, and, and I don't remember if it was a fax or a letter, and I, I was a young businessman at the time, I was very upset, and I wrote a letter back, and I faxed it. As soon as I hit fax, I was like, oh, I probably should have sent that. Right. And that was like the first instant messenger. Yeah, you know? but at least a fax could be shredded. The challenge was social media now, afterwards. But and social media now, once it's out, like it's out. Yeah. Oh, it's true. Yeah. It's very, very true. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, we could, we could probably dive into all that for a long time, but uh, we are out of time. So I do want to thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. And uh, hopefully... Uh, Everyone will tune into the the Ignite video and check out your little. Gosh, I can't remember the acronym. R S A S D. Random. It's it's. I just saw a new sign today. Yeah, that's. It's Which sign today? What'd you see? You uh, uh, I, I'm gonna go down and take a picture. It's out at uh, 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 Culinary Dropout. Cool. Well, I'll watch for the post. All right. <laughs> All right, enough. Jen. Thanks again for coming in. Thanks, Otto. Take care.